To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the 30-minute lockdown. I'm your host, Coach Defense, and I can welcome you out to a brand new show on the podcast network, The 30-Minute Lockdown, airing each and every Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, on all your popular platforms you get your podcast from. Man, oh man, when listen, when my loyal listeners, my listeners speak, I listen. I'm always uh, willing to take suggestions, and I definitely see overwhelmingly that y'all enjoy the shorter content. So what we're going to do going forward, man, on Thursdays, we're going to give a 30-minute show. We're going to break down three topics at, at max. We're going to talk about them in a short order of 30 minutes. We're going to get in and out of this booth with a quick, you know, 16 bars if I'm a, if I'm a rap star. We're going to get right into it. We're going to get three topics in, and we're going to break these down heavy and uh, and and quickly. And uh, and I see that y'all enjoy the content that is more short and more concise and to the point. So we're going, we're going to ride that train, man. We're going to definitely get into it, man. So like I said, we're going to get into a quick 30-minute uh, show each and every week. Uh, maybe do one. Uh, the two shows a week, depending on how y'all feel about it. So let me know in the comments how y'all like the show overall. And also give me your suggestions as well as topics that you want to see on the show. We, we can, we'll see we can't get those on the show. So, uh, man, let's do it, man. Let's get right into it. So, like I said, 30 minutes, quick, uh, short and concise, and let's do it, man. So let's talk. Let's talk about some things today, man. I got uh, some heat for the Minnesota Vikings, Houston Texans, and the Los Angeles Lakers front office. So let's do it, man. Let's talk about it. So. First of all, I want to get into the Minnesota Vikings today. Uh, I've been saying all year, practically, that the Minnesota Vikings are frauds. And and this is uh, indicative of why I believe that and how they play football in, in, in this entirety of this whole year, right? Now, and, and to give a small subtitle to the title of this, I feel like they're the worst team with one of the best records. I mean, come on. You are really the third seed in the NFC right now, and you're 13-4. and four. Right. And uh, I'm not a believer yet at all. I'm not a believer in this team. And I feel like that this team is definitely uh, heading for a first round exit or second round embarrassment. It's one of the two things. Now, you know, the only lucky thing that they have going for them is they face a giant team that to me is not overpowering or that dominant either. So that's the only thing that's to me that's their saving grace. But outside of that, I have no belief that this team can go anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. And that's, you know, I'm just being honest. You know, they have not proven to me that they do anything well uh, in a consistent basis that can beat a 49ers Eagles team or, you know, even a, a Cowboys team who undressed them mightily in, in earlier on in the season in their own building. So let's talk about exactly why I believe that this team is 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 fraud, is fraudulent, <laughs> fast mile fraudulent. Any objective, any adjective that you want to give. The team that 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 brings down the idea that they're fraudulent. It, I'm, I'm gonna do it. So, like I said, they're the worst team with the best record. One of the best records. They're the third seed in the NFC, and I and I just scratched my head of how they have the 31st ranked defense in the whole entire NFL. I mean, that's never going to get it done. So that that tells me right there by that by that particular order that you have to win shootouts. So I said, okay, coach. Well, they're going to win shootouts. So what did their offense look like? Okay, so they they have a negative minus three point differential. So you're not only giving up big-time points, but you're not even scoring more than your opponent. So you're not even shooting out or outscoring your opponent in a large clip. So, again, how are we winning games? Very curious, right? The defense is giving up uh, 388 yards on average a, a game. They're giving up 25.1 points per game. And like I said, they have a minus three-point differential. They're three and two versus playoff teams. 
They got wins against the Bills, which was controversial. They're fumble away from a, a non-fumble away on the goal line away from losing that game because they were down big in that game. And they had a miraculous in Cinderella in, in lucky four-leaf clover type of recovery in that game where they would beat the Bills. Don't know how that happened. They beat the Dolphins, which who were Tua Tungavaloa-less. If I can say that right, Tua Tungavaloa-less. He Tua didn't play in that game, so they had to face Teddy Bridgewater. Now, maybe Teddy might have got knocked out of that game. I don't know. But regardless, no starting quarterback. Then they beat the Giants by a miracle. But it was a 60-yard field goal. They beat the Giants. And conversely, so you get down to, okay, they beat the Bills, Dolphins, and Giants in controversial fashion, right? If things were all things remain equal, they shouldn't have won any of those games. That's one. Then the losses that they had were bad losses. They lost to the Eagles in Philly 21-7, I believe, early in the season. They got completely undressed by Dallas 41-3 in their own building, mind you. So, again, how am I supposed to be a believer in this team? I, I, don't, I really don't get it. I, I think they're the luckiest uh, team in, in the league, and their luck in that run should come to end here very soon. Because I don't think any team that's formidable, uh, like the 49ers, you know, even the, I would give the Cowboys credit, or the Eagles for sure, are teams that, to me, they they, they can easily beat the team and beat them handily. So, and so you look at it from an offensive standpoint, again, I said they give up three... They're 361 yards a game, which is minus 0.27 in yards per game. So they're not outgaining their opponent, nor are they outscoring their opponent. So again, how the hell are they winning games is, is beyond me. And they've been somehow or another been, you know, I don't know if they sold it, sold it to the devil and it, it's things just happening for them or what. But the, if so by the stats, you're not outscoring them, you're not outgaining them, and you're still 13-4. and I, I, It blows my mind. I think they've gotten the biggest breaks in the league and it, it's not even funny that'd be funny so if you're a viking fan i'm sorry to tell you this team is fraudulent and they're going to get exposed you know and then there's also the narrative that kirk cousin doesn't play well in, in primetime games which he's going to have bright lights big city all eyes on him solo game coming this weekend against the giants so we'll see how that goes but yeah i don't believe in kirk cousins at all but home record nine and one away record four and three they have two overtime games that they forced. Um, they have won. Uh, they've been. They not even necessarily won, but they've been in eleven one-score games. At a at a at a seventeen games, eleven games have been one-score, and they've also been in uh, five games with one by a field goal or less. It's crazy. It's crazy. So yet again, they've been skating by. It seems it's been skating by, and I don't have no faith or no uh, belief that they can make any type of run in the playoffs. Now, granted, I love Dalvin Cook, and I definitely love Justin Jefferson, but they need a better quarterback, and they definitely need a better defense for sure because that's not going to get it done. There's no team that's had the 31st-ranked defense in the whole entire NFL should go anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, again, me, I'm a big proponent of defense. You know this. So I'm like, man, y'all have to figure it out because uh, that's that's bad. And this is always one of those things where I say that it it, it, can, be, it can be very detrimental on one side or the other if you pick a coach that has expertise. Um, you know, I almost feel like that a good balance team would be you pick a solid defensive coordinator, pick a solid OC, and you have a head coach that just manages the uh, manages the team. You don't have a, a niche either way, you know, offense, defense. He's just a team manager. He manages the schedule, the practices, and the team, and the players, and, and the camaraderie, and that's it. And let the offense coordinator run it and the defense coordinator run it on their perspective size of the ball, and you just live. But with their coach being an offensive minded guy, because they went from Zimmer, who was a defensive minded guy, and they went to uh, an offensive minded guy, and they are playing good offense. But yet again, like I said, the defense is so porous that that I, I just it just blows my mind how they got here to be fourteen and three. 
be fourteen and three. It just doesn't make any sense. So for sure, I believe this team is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. You know, and I, I believe the Giants have a great chance to beat them. They were only uh, dismissed in the regular season by a field goal, which was a sixty-yarder. You know, so again, that that luggage should be running out over here soon. You you've exhausted all your uh, four-leaf clovers and your lucky horseshoes, uh, Vikings. So yeah, so I, I think it's coming to an end soon. But you know, just to put a perspective, just as we wrap this particular situation up, that you know, just look at the schedule. You know, and ones have highlighted all one-score games. So you know, you know, from from this perspective that they definitely have been these games have could have gone either way. You know, and if, if these if the eleven of these games could have went the other way, they would be uh picking in the top ten of the draft. That's <laughs> just plain. That's just plain. One score game against Detroit, who is isn't in the playoffs. One score game against New Orleans, who isn't in the playoffs. Chicago one score game. Miami one score game with no tour. One score game with the dysfunctional Cardinals. One score game with the Washington Commanders. One score game against the Bills get d- destroyed by the 40, by the Dallas uh, Cowboys. One score game with the dysfunctional uh, Patriots. The, the dysfunctional Jets they once scored lost uh, by more than one score to the Detroit Lions in Detroit. One score game against the Colts who were completely and utterly dysfunctional. They were down thirty three to nothing in this game. I don't know how they won that game. The Giants field goal, you know, uh, Green Bay they did beat, but again they were Green Bay undressed them at, in Green Bay. 41 to 17. So that's a bad loss. And then they beat uh, Chicago, who was mailing it in already. I don't think Justin Fields even played. So you tell me. You let me know in the comments that should I believe in the team at all? Because I don't. I think they're completely and utterly fraudulent. And I think that I would not be surprised if they got beat handily uh, by Brian Dayball and the Giants come uh, playoff sun- Saturday. I believe Sunday. Actually, they play Sunday. Playoff Sunday when, um, in, in Minnesota. I believe they could and will get undressed and they'll be one and done in the playoffs. So moving on to the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans, man, uh, the debacle that is this team is, is reaching an all time fever pitch for me. It really is. Uh, I, I, you know, and, and I'm not going to forward, I'm not going to fast forward to the end and tell you what was a straw to that comes back for me. You will get to it in a second, but, uh, just the particular uh, woes that they've had in over the past five to six years, especially. Um, and I, I think this all leans into, I think it started with the whole idea of trading DeAndre Hopkins. I think the trading DeAndre Hopkins for peanuts started, started this downward spiral and it's been going downhill at rapid pace. We're talking ski slope, steep hill, downhill fast real, it, since then. And, and, you know, and just to highlight a few things that really, uh, rub me the wrong way of how they do things, how they do business, you know, is, you know, we underscored on the screen here. It's starting with Deshaun Watson. Like I said, well, we mentioned DeAndre Hopkins, you know, we'll talk about him in a second, but you know, the, the handle, how they handled Deshaun Watson on and off the field was atrocious. You know, it, it was the idea that one drafting him, you know, high and getting him as the WWE franchise quarterback. And at the time he had a formidable team, formidable defense, formidable weapons, and all you did in the process of having him was strip away that, but slowly but surely. You let Wolf Fuller walk in free agency. You let J.J. Watt walk. You traded DeAndre Hopkins away. You couldn't keep a running back, a stable running back or a stable O-line in front of him and expect him to make a water and a wine. You know, and that's just from a football perspective. You know, that's on the field, how they just gutted this team and didn't build around Deshaun actively and effectively for him to be successful. And even despite all that, in the last season he played for them, he led the league in passing. So that's how he tell you he's capable, but you refuse to do anything about it uh, to help him and aid him in this process, right? 
Then there's the off the field stuff. You know, you know whether you whatever side of fence you land on, as far as the scandal is concerned, you know they were complicit uh, in this particular uh, set of events. Let's put it that way, and they completely, utterly enabled it until he got at odds with the franchise because the moment he decided and he realized what I just underscored that they were not supporting him and trying to build around him to make him effective as being a, a legit a winning franchise quarterback, he started to get at odds with the franchise. And in the moment he started to get out of his franchise, he requested a trade. All of a sudden, you know, they turned, they, they turned coded on him and acted as if he's, he went rogue and he's doing all these wild things. Total mismanagement of that situation. Ridiculous in his own right. And Sean Watson alone is just enough to be like, you just scratch your head and shake your head at why these billionaire owners are doing such uh, disservices to their players, right? That's one thing. And then, like I said, to me, underscoring how they didn't refuse to invest in proven talent. J.J. Watt is a three-time Divas MVP, future Hall of Famer, and you would not invest in him to let him finish his career in Houston where he started. Problem one, trading DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for, you know, peanuts when he's the top five receiver in the league at the time. Still is, to me, in my opinion. And you, you gave him away for nothing. Yet again, which ultimately pissed Deshaun Watson off and reason why you had the contentious moments with him. That's a problem. Then refusing, refusing to take accountability and ownership for the Watson scandal, period. Like you just basically act, turn a blind eye, act like you had nothing to do with it, act like you were, you know, uh, oblivious to the whole thing. He was on his own. He went rogue and he was doing all these things. You had no knowledge of it, which was clearly a lie. The, the paperwork that was submitted and, can put, and put out to the public was a definitely in, indicator of that, that you knew about it and you were complicit in it. You knew about it. So, and then uh, the alleged co-conspiring, co-conspirators, that they were into leaking the Deshaun Watson information to the lawyer that ultimately uh, tried to convict Deshaun Watson of these allegations. You know, we all know that the lawyer that, that tried or, or went against Deshaun Watson was a deep, dark friend of the organization. So, again, we all are scratching the head, like, how does information come out? And all the, you know, deep, dark receipts and details that they had had to come from inside the building. So you leaked it, you know, once he got... To the point where he was saying, I want out, you wanted to basically try to rein him back in and make him know his place and 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 give his information to the lawyer and say that, well, if if you don't, you know, comply with being uh bought into this team, then we're going to uh expose you. And, and I feel like that's what they did. And then we get to the the exact issue at hand. We get to the biggest issue at hand and their lack of support for their coaches. You know, so once the Sean Watson was, you know, that's the situation was over. You hired David Cully, who's was a late 11th hour hire because you couldn't find anybody else that was that was willing to take on this debauchery, this debacle of a of a team that was presently on on the books. So you got David Cully out of the uh, Ravens organization last minute and decided to hire him, and you know, you basically treat him as a lame duck coach and they have any faith in him. So you uh, let him coach for a year. The team achieved by what they were built to do. And then you fire him by the one year. And then you bring in Lovey Smith. Well, actually, Lovey Smith was, I think, he was on the staff. So you elevated Lovey Smith to a head coach and you gave him, uh, you know, some decent draft picks to, to pick from. And he started to rebuild the talent, but it was going to take time. And you gave him no, a vote of no confidence in the fact that they finished the second worst record in the league, which honestly, truly was is about right because they still don't have the level of talent that they need to compete in the division that they're in. And you fire him too after one year. You gave them no time or no, no ability to do anything with this particular franchise. And you expect the people to see this, the people that have skills of formidable 
uh, coaching ability. Expect them to uh, want to, you know, willingly coach for you. I don't, I don't see how you believe that's a fact. So, and then there's the idea of you making a mockery of these of those particular two coaches and the Rooney Rule, because you were fulfilling the Rooney Rule by interviewing and ultimately hiring a minority coach, but you turned around and fired them with a vote of no confidence, and you didn't support them at all. So, I mean, I, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous at this point. And I'm completely over, completely over and done with the McNair family in the Texans organization. So, honestly and truly, I believe that they, honestly and truly, should get what they get at this point. You know, and they are definitely uh, on the road to ruin. And if I'm a coach that has any formidable talent, I will not coach for this team at all. As, as an assistant or a head coach, I would not do it. Just based upon the way they treat you, the way they don't support you, the way they uh, don't do anything that's uh, logical in a, in a team building sense, I would have no... I wasn't no parts of this organization at all, you know. And it gets to the point where they even pissed off Tony Dungy. <laughs> Tony Dungy said unequivocally, "What are the Texans doing? What kind of operation is this? This that where you don't have any convictions about supporting the coaches you hire? What is? What do you want to coach? Is so it what is going? What is going to? Who are you going to want to coach there if you might only get one year to implement your plans? Two years in a row is ridiculous. After the chef that broke the idea that uh, Lovey Smith was out." And then we get into the idea of the fact that this this would kind of uh, rub me the wrong way. Well, I, I know kind of it did. Lovey went to the owners himself to plead his case for them to give them another year when there were rumors that they might let him go. And they still let him go. They told him right then and there before the game even was started in the last week of the season that they were going to move on. And, and and as a parting gift, he won their last game. So they, don't, they no longer have the number one pick. They're picking second in the draft. So, yeah, I'd have done the same thing. But... Again, you know, to my to my very first, very uh, point, very first point, the Texans are on the road to ruin. This is a debacle of many sorts, and they, they, they're really just downward spiraling this franchise into the toilet. It really is. Um, like I said, no one, no one with any formal skills should want to coach there. And uh, the, the biggest downside is the players. The players have to deal with this. The ones that play for them currently on the contract currently, you know, your Damian Pierce's and your Jalen Petries, who I would love coming out of the draft, in, you know, this past year, and they, you know, unluckily wind up playing for the Texans. That's a problem. And then the fact that they're going to likely be uh, at the top five to ten, I would like to believe five because they're probably not going to be uh, competitive for a good while. So the team, the talent that's coming out of the college in the next three to five years are going to have to. Uh, honestly and truly be uh, leery of the fact that the Texans will draft you and you'll be drafted with four to five years of this mess to have to deal with in your career. You know, and if I'm a highly talented quarterback like a CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or somebody like that, even Caleb Williams next year, if they decided to, you know, wait a year to draft the quarterback, right? I would, I would, I would tell my agent, like, look, tell them jokes don't draft me at all. I want no parts of the organization. I see how you treat people coaches and players, and I have no desire to play for you at all. That's what I would treat it as. I would really treat it as the fact that you have no uh, ability to want to support your players, and you have no you have no backbone or no or no uh, uh, I guess you can say you know abilities to support your players or your coaches. And I don't want to play there. I don't want to play there. So if I'm them, if I'm you know talent that is coming into the draft here and it could potentially be drafted by the Texans, I would tell them no thanks. You know, don't even bother because I will have no desire to play for you. 
And again, the the biggest thing is that you know they, they get what they get. The Texans get what they deserve at this point because you shouldn't treat people like this. Deshaun Watson, Lovey Smith, and David Cully, especially JJ Watt, especially DeAndre Hopkins, especially, and you get what you get. So again, I have no desire to uh, root for the Texans at all, and they get what they get at this point. It is what it is. You put you put out you get what you put out there in the atmosphere, in my opinion. So it is what it is. So moving on. So, you know, I, it wouldn't be a show without me talking about my Lakers, right? So the Lakers front office is an organization in a, in a group right now that I have a lot of issues with. Um, and I've had issues with them, um, honestly, truly, since Kobe retired. Um, like a little bit before that as well, who they, what they were putting around Kobe while he was still uh, playing. But we're just going to talk about the LeBron years right now. Uh, in the time that they LeBron James has been uh, a, a LA Laker. So, uh, since the championship of 2020, the bubble year, right? Um, what the front office has essentially done is they've invested in Anthony Davis, who hasn't been healthy since the bubble, mind you. Um, they mismanaged the Dennis Schroeder contract where they offered him a deal and he didn't feel like the language in it and the amount of money that was guaranteed, he didn't feel that he was okay with. So he balked at the idea of, of, of signing that deal because, uh, he felt like it wasn't his best interest money wise, and they could uh, basically get out of it without paying him if he didn't, if they didn't like his uh, production at any point in time. So he balked at that thinking he can get a better deal, which ultimately didn't work out for him either. So, you know, a lot of people in front facing said he fumbled the bag on it, but I, you know, I read some reports that he didn't like the language and, and, the, and the guarantees and the contract. So, you know, he was saying that he, he felt, he felt almost felt insulted by it, not the money, but the language. So he definitely wanted to uh, go elsewhere and find better pastures, but he kind of bounced around and now he's back with the team. But I argue that if you if he if they did right by that situation, we wouldn't have had this, uh, trade for Russell Westbrook, which is my next point. It traded away Contavious Caldwell Pope, Cal Kuzma, and Montres Harrell for Russell Westbrook. Another mistake. Um, and subsequently, in that they went from going from a young team that won a title uh, two years ago to uh, an older team um, in a 2021-2022 season. Another mistake. In this particular day and age of the way the basketball has been played in the NBA, you cannot have an old roster expect to compete at a high level on a night in and a night out basis. You need young legs. Take a page out of the Golden State's uh, Golden State Warriors book. They got three uh, established veterans and everybody else is young. You need young legs to be able to pull you through and get you through 82 games especially when you have injuries to your main guys, which the Lakers and the Warriors both had had in the last two years. So you got to be young in certain spots. You got to be veteran-led in other spots. And they were completely and utterly dark and old, and it was a complete and utter disaster. You had three big players, and you had a bunch of old guys, and it looked like a, a complete and utter mess. Another mistake. And failure to rebuild a roster after you acquire Westbrook because his contract was so high, you couldn't afford anybody else between the three big names that you had, AD, LeBron, and Westbrook. You were completely, utterly up against the cap and you failed to pull in any talent. So you were you pulled in a bargain basement roster, in, in all honesty, to compete in this particular season uh, henceforth, the season that you're in now. Another failure. You know, again, that that's just compounded. If you if you signed in the shooter, you would have had a point guard. You wouldn't have needed Westbrook. You could have kept the young guys that you had, and you could just, uh, you know, added and subtracted based upon what you felt like was going to build and help the team. Yet again, another mistake. 
and just overall failure outside of the championship year of building around LeBron in his whole entire tenure there. He's had one team, one team, and maybe one in a one team and a half a team, a half a year that he had a solid team. Because the problem with the team after the championship was he came back quickly off the bubble. AD wasn't in shape and he got hurt. Uh, I think LeBron subsequently got hurt too. So that team was uh pretty much uh, you know, done and over with. Um, before he even really got going, you know, in the champ in the in a shifted season year after the champ bubble championship year. And I believe that's the 2020, 2020 to 2021 season. So you you refuse to uh build a properly effectively around LeBron in this whole entire time. So that's my issue with the front office at this moment. So those particular things I laid out. So how do we fix them? Right? Here's the solutions. I think that you have to trade Russell Westbrook. Now, this isn't you know, we all know at this point that I've, I've been very adamant and very uh, anti-Westbrook as a player, right? But I'm not even speaking on the fact that he needs to be traded from a playing standpoint. I just think he needs to be traded for purely for purely financial reasons because he is high. his cap hit is way too high. His cap hit is way too high. So you have to trade Russell Westbrook, priority one. And in that, you need to trade for Buddy Hill and Miles Turner. I've been saying that as well. You got to do that. And also tr- trade whatever you need to trade for Bog- John Bogdanovich from the Pistons, a shooter. So Buddy Hill's a shooter, uh, Bogdanovich is a shooter, and Miles Turner is a is a, a versatile center who also can shoot. So that gives you three good players around your core who people I think you should keep. So in addition to trading for these guys, you keep Dennis Schroeder, keep Austin Reeves, keep Thomas Bryant, who all been playing well, Lonnie Walker as well. Now, Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker are hurt at the moment, but they will be back. Of course, you keep LeBron and AD, and then you form a roster around uh, those particular guys and the people you trade for. So, wh- what do you have to trade? I see Patrick Beverly's available, Kendrick Nunn, Russell Westbrook, obviously, Wanda Scott Anderson, Wendon Gabriel, Max Christie, and Troy Brown. So, if you make all of those moves, if you make all of those moves, I think that you ultimately can definitely build a, a roster. And this is your potential starting five you have LeBron, Hill, Bogdanovich, Davis, and Turner at your starting five. That's a winning roster. That's a winning roster. That's starting five was a winning roster right then and there. Then you have Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, Thomas Bryant, Lonnie Walker, and Gabriel, and Christie, and Brown coming off the bench. I, th- I think that's I think that's a winner. And you can play with the idea of, of mixing and matching and putting Schroeder in and taking Bog- Bogdanovich out and let him come off the bench a little bit to be that kind of a spark out of, off the uh off the bench. You can take Turner out and put Brian in with Davis and you can let Miles Turner come off the bench a little bit and he can he can run a two-man game with Dennis Schroeder. They can run a lot of pick and roll and get David get Turner touches in the post when Davis is off the court. That's another mix and match idea that you can do. Austin Reeves is always going to be that defensive spark. Like I said, Thomas Bryan is playing well. Lonnie Walker is another spark from a wing perspective that's, that's getting better defensively and shooting the ball well now. So I think that those particular things will uh, ultimately work out for the Lakers, but you got to do them because honestly and truly, it's a complete and utter miscarriage of justice to not have one of the all-time great players on your roster for uh, about five years, you know, running, you know, going towards the time he's going to, the ascension ends and you not, maybe six years, you not have the the mindset or the wherewithal to build around him completely and totally and try to compete at a high level every single year. Every single year, you got to do it. You got to do it. So this is my thing. And I'm going to put this plain. I'm going to put it simple. And I'm not going to, you know, drag it out. That it's one of two things. Because I understand that, you know, Indiana wants a couple of firsts. Give it to them. 
Because you can't sit here and tell me that you don't want to win now with LeBron versus a kid worrying about a kid that may or may not be good that's in middle school right now. You know, the the uh, Pistons won a couple of seconds for for Bogdanovich. You make that trade. Give him a couple of future seconds, a couple of future firsts. You make the trades, get uh, those those money guys off the books, mainly Westbrook, and you go back, and you go reboot, and you compete. And and Miles Turner already flat out said in the interview that he will res- he wants to be traded to the Lakers and he will resign with them. So you have him long term. What more do you want? That allows AD to play the four holistically, turn to play the five like he wants to. And you go, you come back to the table. You got shooters. You got LeBron. You got AD. You got rim protectors. You got point guards. You got people come off the bench playing well. I think there's a form of the roster with the with the Western Conference completely utterly wide open. You got to do it and got to do it now. By the All Star break, it got to happen. If not, this is what you should do. And it's the most drastic move of, of them all. If you really worry about future fresh round draft picks and second round draft picks or talent that has improved the what's going on in the league right now instead of what you got on the court and on your roster right now, if you don't believe in AD and LeBron can carry you to another playoff or title run, trade one or both of them and start over. Because clearly you're not committed to winning right now. That's what I think you should do. Trade one or trade the other and just completely utterly gut the team, reboot it, get a bunch of draft picks, you know, bring a couple of, you know, you know, mid-level guys in and start it all over. Start it over right now and build towards the future. Get some draft capital back and just hopefully you can get into the when Banyano sweepstakes or somebody that can come in and be the new face of the franchise. But if you're not willing to commit to LeBron AD right now as it is, as it stands right now for the next two years, you just need to reboot and start over. That's my take. That's my take. That's going to wrap up the 30-minute uh, 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 lockdown for this week, man. So let me know how you feel. Like, comment, subscribe, as always. Give me comments, your topics in the, in the chat and uh, in, the, in, the, in the comment section, and we'll be right back next week with another recording. Meantime, between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Until next week, step up and lock it down.